0: Let us pray. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to join us here this morning, and we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Please sit. With our tongue... We bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. So this morning I'm going to preach on six words. I uh, had a seminary professor who once said that many... Great and true things will not be said on a Sunday morning. He was advocating for uh, focused preaching. You don't have to say everything, even all the good and true things, in every sermon. And those of you sitting with your kids right now are probably thanking God for that professor, right? It may be longer than I'd like, but at least he's promised not to say everything. I'm going the other way, in fact. I looked it up. Uh, The King James Version has 783,137 words. I'm going to forsake 783,131 of them and just preach on six. So James, in our New Testament reading this morning, is talking about the power of the tongue. He compares it to... A little piece of metal that gets put in the mouth of a horse. This tiny thing that can direct a huge, powerful animal. He also compares it to the rudder on a ship. Again, a tiny piece of wood that is powerful enough to direct the whole large ship. And finally, he compares it to a tiny spark that can set an entire forest ablaze. You're with him. You know what he's talking about. You know the power of your tongue. Or you know the power of someone else's tongue, don't you? With this tiny little thing, we can ruin lives in an instant. A dear friend of mine used to say, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will mess up my life forever. So, after acknowledging the tongue's power, James laments the fact that Christians seem to be as cavalier with their tongues as non-Christians. No one, he says, can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth, he says, comes blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree... My brothers and sisters yield olives or a grapevine figs. No more can salt water yield fresh. James is incredulous. He's looking out at the children of God, and he can't believe what he sees. He's saying that in the same way that a pure spring literally can't bring forth briny water and a fig tree literally can't bear olives and a salty sea literally can't provide fresh water, a Christian should not be able to, with the same mouth that blesses God, curse any of God's creatures. It shouldn't be possible. And yet, here we are. My brothers and sisters... He exclaims. And then he says the six words. This ought not to be so. I'm reminded of an absolutely classic final season episode of Frasier in which Niles and Daphne are together and she's pregnant and they meet their friend Roz for coffee. And Daphne mentions that they're considering a medication-free childbirth. And Roz, who already has a child and happens to be very pro-medication, asks her if she's not worried about how much it'll hurt. And she says, A natural childbirth needn't be painful. It needn't be, responds Roz, but it be. (laughs) James is playing Daphne. This ought not to be so. And we are Roz. It ought not to be so, but it's so. Your kid won't listen. This ought not to be so. Your parents don't understand. This ought not to be so. Your spouse is drifting away. This ought not to be so. We are all intimately acquainted with this ought not to be so. Your brother's success is making you look and feel like a failure. This ought not to be so. Your own success has not brought you the peace and happiness that you hoped it would. This ought not to be so. It starts the moment we are born with our tortured cries. I'm hungry. It's bright. I'm scared. Translation: This ought not to be so. It continues until we draw our final breaths. This pain and suffering definitely, most assuredly, ought not to be so. And yet, it's so. So now what? This is the great question. Now what? And so far, my sermon on these six words has not been much of a sermon at all, has it? It's what comes next that's going to make or break it. And we have, I think, uh, three options when we think about what happens next. Where do we go from here? My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Well, the first option is just that we sort of throw our hands up and stare out into the cosmos and scream, what does it all mean? and get nothing at all back in response but deafening silence. So all that's left for us is sort of a fatalistic nihilism, right? Nothing means anything. And what you and I perceive as morality, sort of the difference between what ought to be and what actually is, is just the randomly firing synapses in our brain. And that's actually only if Elon Musk is wrong and we're not just a bunch of 1s and zeros in an alien computer simulation. Thanks for your encouragement, Elon. So option one, fatalistic nihilism. Let's, let's not do that. Alternatively, we could say, well, it all does mean something and this ought not to be so. So our task is to roll up our sleeves and engage the world. Make it so. If it ought not to be this way, let's make it the way it ought to be. You better try harder. Be like Phil Collins who promised that his generation was going to get it right. And that's fine. We ought to roll up our sleeves. We ought to engage the world. We ought to get it right. But that's not the good news. That's not anything you wouldn't hear at your local Shriners meeting or Greenpeace gathering or Susan G. Komen cancer walk or Free Tibet concert. Are they still trying to... Free Tibet? Is that still happening? The Beastie Boys were all about that. Or any of the million other groups of people coming together to make the world a better place. And yet, apparently, rolling up our sleeves only has limited utility. Phil Collins is an old man now. His generation was three generations ago. It's 2018. And there are literally, like I said, millions of organizations, millions of people working hard to make the world a better place, and look around. Hate, terrorism, starvation, poverty, genocide, to say nothing of guilt, fear, heartbreak, and shame. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. And so we come to our third option. We who worship the God who created the world told it exactly how it ought to be and then, when it fell into evil and sin, redeemed it. When we hear those six words, we don't throw our hands up. And we don't roll our sleeves up. At least, not yet. When we hear those six words... This ought not to be so. We speak another six words right back to them. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Jesus, the Savior who St. Paul said came to sinners while we were enemies of God, takes all of the this ought not to be so onto his shoulders at the cross. In fact, he became, this ought not to be so, so much that his Holy Father had to, for a moment, turn away from him. My God, my God, our Savior cried, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was, for a moment, forsaken, so we could be, for eternity, saved. He rolled his sleeves up. James, our writer this morning, opens his letter with this reminder. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And this is the perfect gift that God's holy gaze found all of the this ought not to be so in the whole world in his own son sacrificed for us. And then it got even better emptied of our this ought not to be so we were filled with Jesus' well done good and faithful servant. An enemy made a friend. An enemy adopted as a child. Now, as you know better than most, your tongue can get you into big trouble. Be careful with it. But know, please, always know that Christ was sent for us and to us while we were in big trouble. And he is there for you. That's where he works, in big trouble. Your life is a catalog of this ought not to be so. But that life was given to Christ on the cross. And his earned, well-done, good and faithful servant was given to you. And this incredible trade, your sin... For his righteousness, this truly ought not to be so. But by an amazing grace, today and forever, it is so. Amen.